Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Lydia and then the formerly demon-possessed girl and then the Philippian jailer, these guys loved and appreciated Paul so much that they're like, what do you need, Paul? What do you need? On this missionary journey, what do you need? And they were giving him gifts. They were taking care of him. And he's like, listen, you guys, you don't know how much this blesses me. Thank you for sharing in the gospel. Thank you for sharing in this ministry. And that's what it's about, guys. That's why we support missionaries. Because it's an active way where you get to share in the ministry with them. Why does the local church support missionaries? In today's message from Pastor James, you'll learn about the important role the local body of believers play in the lives of missionaries. When your local church supports a missionary's journey, they're actively engaging and supporting that ministry. Pastor James encourages you that your prayers, your financial contributions and support and gifts bless them and the work that they're doing. By being engaged in these ways, you're sharing in their work. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day from when I showed up on those riverbank prayer meeting, you guys have been there with me. Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, that Jesus, the he there, it's a reference for Jesus, that Jesus who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Let's camp out here for a second. Another aspect of being full of joy, pause confidence. Pause confidence. This is something that's missing, I think, I, I think in modern church. Okay? And let me explain this. Paul is writing this very intimate and personal letter to this group of believers, to this church that meets in Philippi. And he's expressing to these guys, he's like, look, man, my focus is on Jesus. And as I'm communing with him, he reminds me of you, and it fills my heart with joy. And I have this confidence, I have this confidence of his work in your lives. You don't hear that expressed a whole lot, right? I mean, there's this thing of like self-confidence. I'm not talking about like self-confidence. I'm talking about confidence from a a leader, a a pastoral individual. Paul is a pastor in that sense, in expressing confidence in what Jesus is doing in your lives, in your lives. What we also don't see a lot of is us. I and listen, I'm I'm guilty of this. Okay, I, this is something, especially as I've been studying through this letter. Or I think the Lord has is been showing me this, and and I want to get better at this, where I can come alongside other people and say, hey, can I just speak some confidence to you of what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life? Because that's what Paul's doing here. He's, he's, he's lifting these guys up, so to speak, in a healthy way, saying, I'm confident. I am absolutely 100% confident 
in what the Lord, what he has started in your life and what he is going to finish in your life. We need more of that in the church. We need more of that within, with each other, coming alongside each other, saying, hey, look, I'm confident of this one thing, not you and your ability, but of Jesus and his ability. What he started in you, he will finish it. We need more of that today because everybody's discouraged, because our world is discouraged. What, 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 what we need more, so, and I think in the church we need this so much, we need individuals, we need brothers and sisters in the Lord who know how, who know how to come alongside somebody and say, hey, I'm, I'm confident in this, that God is faithful, and he is faithful in your life, and what he started with you, whenever that was, he will finish it. We need more of that. This one verse hit me so hard this week, where I was like, man, I don't think I do that that much, and we can't. And we should. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And we should. And I, and I would say, you know what? Take a second, underline that verse. Memorize this verse. Being confident of this very thing. And then start praying. Start asking the Lord, Lord, man, who do I need to encourage today? Who do I need to encourage today? Who maybe in my life is going, through a, is going through a difficult season right now, and they need me to come alongside them and say, hey, 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 he started it. He will finish it. I love this. I, I mean, this just speaks volumes to me, and, and I, hope it, I hope it resonates within your heart as well. Paul's letting this, this beautiful little church body, this amazing little church plant know, hey, Jesus started the work, and Jesus is going to finish the work. So you stay focused on him. Stay focused on him. Don't you give up on Jesus. We, I say this all the time. It is always too soon to quit. Always. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Now, what is this good work? Part of this good work, and we saw it on the video, is this process of sanctification. That's a fancy word, right? Sanctification. It's a lifelong process. The moment you give your life to Jesus, he begins working in and through you. He is developing you. He is sanctifying you, okay? He's transforming you. Now, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus for sure. But how you, how you look on day one should not be how you look on the last day, okay? There should be some growth. There should be a trajectory. Now, if your life is anything like mine, it's going to look like this, okay? It's going to be lots of ups and lots of downs, okay? Maybe some, how did it go backwards? I don't know. Rough, rough season. I don't know. But ultimately, it's, it's an arc, and it, it's an arc, and it's getting you not, you'll never be perfect on this planet. Won't happen. It's not going to happen. You'll be glorified when you're with Jesus, that perfection. Sanctification is the process that's getting you there. But you should be able to track within your life fruit, growth, progress, okay? That's the work Jesus is actively doing inside of you. And he's getting you through it. And he will get you through it. And at the end of it, whatever the end is, whenever the end is, and please never, ever forget this, Jesus is in control of when your end is. Nobody else is. Nobody else is. Okay? So if there's a fear, surrender that fear to Jesus. 
Because there's a lot of fear in our world right now, being propagated like crazy. Jesus is in control of it. Now, does that mean you live like a fool? No. Smart. He's given you a brain. It's a beautiful thing. Use it. Use it, please, okay? Whatever percentage we actually use, I don't even know. Use all of it, okay, that you possibly can. But know this, Jesus is in control of your life, the start and the end day, okay? He's got that. Nobody else can take that. Nobody else, okay? So we're trusting in him. He's, he's faithful from the beginning to the end. He's going to see you through it. You can trust in him. Just like Paul, I would say to you guys, I'm confident in this one thing, that he who began a good work in you is faithful. He will complete it. He will complete it. Verse 7, just as it's right for me to think this of you all. Paul's like, I have every right to think this of you all, okay? He's like, I can think this of, of y'all. Uh, there you go. I'm going to keep walking away from my Texas version. Um, of you all. You all is mentioned, uh, I think, at least like nine times, okay? At least nine times. I think there's 18 references to Jesus just in chapter one, which is, it should tell you a lot about who this letter is really, the, you know, focusing on. And it's Jesus, Okay. For me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. All right, so I forgot to mention this at the first part, but the first little thing I want you to kind of put a, a handle on, so to speak, is who's on your mind? Because that's how Paul starts this. He's like, and I should have referenced it. I didn't. But he talks about how with every, you know, how God has brought them to his mind. So who, who is on your mind? Who is on your mind? Who kind of comes into your mind? I, again, I did reference this in a roundabout way. But when you're praying, who, who, who's the one that God is maybe dropping in on that little prayer meeting in your brain? That individual. Who is on your mind? Who are the ones that you're praying for? They're continually on your mind. You're continually praying for those guys. You should have somebody, as you, as you are praying, as you have a time, you know, a prayer time and all that good stuff, whatever that looks like for you, maybe morning, maybe night, maybe in the afternoon, but whatever it is, you should have people that you're praying for, okay? You should have a prayer list. Some people call it a prayer journal where you're taking prayers and, you know, you're recording stuff. Do that stuff. Do that. I mean, on every Bible that I own, I always have... I mean, I got, there's names and there's, there's prayer requests and there's, uh, I mean, it's usually, a, that's what all these blank pages are for, I thought, in my Bible, right? I've always wondered, like, when I get a Bible, there's so many blank pages at the front and the back. What I've discovered is those are to write down people's names. I don't know if that's what they intended them for, but that's what I'm going to take it as. And so what I've done in all my Bibles is I just, I have an ongoing list of names that I just write down. And so maybe when I'm you know, it, you know, doing my devos, maybe it's with this Bible, I've opened it up and I got a list of prayer. I got a list of people. Now, the thing about it is I don't, th- that list has become etched in my heart. I could be without this and I'm still praying for those same people. What's cool is the list has grown over the years. Who is on your mind? You always, you need somebody on your mind. Okay. And that's Paul. Paul's like the church of Philippi, the, the, the saints, the believers in, in Philippi, you are on my mind. And here's the second thing. 
He goes on to say right there in the midst of, of verse 7, just as it's right for me to think this of you, because remember, they're on his mind, and he's equating that with like, man, you're on my mind, and I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you is faithful to see it to completion, basically. And he says, because I have you in my heart. So take your prayer list, and you guys know how this works. You, you keep an active prayer list next to you, keep a journal and all that good stuff, but make sure some of that stuff is translating from the, from the pages, from the black and white, from the ink or whatever, to your heart. Because Paul is like, I'm thinking about you guys all the time. Man, I, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying about you guys all the time. Why? Because you're on my heart. You're not just in my head, you're on my heart. God has placed you on my heart. So who's, who, who's on your mind? Who's in your heart? And he's, he's, he just go, continues on down this, this little path here. But you, you, need to have, you need to have people on your mind that you're actively thinking about and actively praying for. And those people will quickly move from your mind into your heart. He says, I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. So here's Paul writing as he is literally in chains. And he says, listen, I'm so glad that you guys are in this with me. I'm so glad that you guys are in this with me. How do you find strength when you're locked up? And you know, ultimately, you are, your life is going to be taken from you, so to speak. He, he, he knew that, it, you know, this wasn't, he, he had ideas and he had plans. He did have plans of like, hey, look. If I get free, I'm going to come visit you guys. But I think he kind of had an understanding, too, of, but this could go this old other way. And as he's locked up, simply because he is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's encouraging these guys. He's like, thank you so much for sharing in this with me. Here's some ways that they shared in this with him. They supported him financially. They were like one of the only churches that like were taking care of Paul financially. They gave him at least a, a, a couple of gifts. They loved this guy so much. And what he did for them, and, and you remember the crew, you remember the ones who were there. It's, it's, it's Lydia and then the formerly demon-possessed girl and then the Philippian jailer. These guys loved and appreciated Paul so much that they're like, what do you need, Paul? What do you need? On this missionary journey, what do you need? And they were giving him gifts. They were taking care of him. And he's like, listen, you guys, you don't know how much this blesses me. Thank you for sharing in the gospel. Thank you for sharing in this ministry. And that's what it's about, guys. That's why we support missionaries. Because it's an active way where you get to share in the ministry with them. Like our friends, the Vagabond for Christ, who are going to move or are moving to Africa or somewhere halfway there. I don't even know. But they're trying to get there. We will support them financially. Why? Because we want to share in the ministry of the gospel. We will support other missionaries and mission organizations. Our friend Laura, who's, who's in Russia at the harbor, we will support them. Why? Because we're, we're sharing in the ministry of the gospel, in the ministry of the gospel. We will get behind a good cause, absolutely. If that good cause is about Jesus Christ and his gospel, you better believe we'll get behind that. Because we want to be like the Church of Philippi. Because there may be an Apostle Paul or Apostle Pauls out there where what you want is for them to send back a letter saying, hey, thank you so much. I'm able to keep on going because of you and your generosity. 
That's what it's about, guys. That, that's why it's an act of worship. Giving is not, it, it's not something that we just do. You're not paying your dues or anything like that. And God's not broke, and he certainly does not need your money. He doesn't. We won't pass the plate. There's offering boxes back there. One is even blocked. You can't even get to that one. We got one that's open right there. This is how messed up we are, okay? We, you got one box there. We have online giving. You guys are super generous and super supportive. We don't need your money. We're not, that's not what it's about. You need to give your money because it's an act of worship. That's why we give. That's why we give. And we understand, man, I'm, this is an act of worship, and I'm giving, this, I'm giving this because, man, I trust that this will further the gospel. And let me tell you, it is furthering the gospel, whether it's in Russia, whether it's in Africa, whether it's across the United States of America, because part of what you give has helped us to get radio on over 40-plus radio stations where they're hearing all these messages and podcasts and video. People are watching right now. We got, friends. we got friends in Oregon. Hey, friends in Oregon, shout out to those guys. We got friends in California. We got friends in Idaho. We got friends in Florida. We got friends all over. They're watching. Why? And we're able to do this because, man, we're just blessed. We're blessed. But what's the point? So that Calvary Galveston becomes famous. We don't even care about that. That's dumb, right? That's stupid. We're not about that. We want Jesus to become famous. That's what it's about. That's what the church of Philippi was doing. They were supporting the Apostle Paul, and he's like, listen, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And man, the place that he never intended on going has become so near and dear to his heart, where he's like, I greatly long for you with the affection of Jesus. That's amazing. That's so cool. That just tells me God can send you anywhere. He can send you anywhere and you can fall in love with the people there. The last little section here, he goes on to say, verse 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in what? In knowledge and all discernment. Not just that their love would grow and grow and grow and just be big and gushy love and all that. No, 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 no. In knowledge and discernment, because that's what we need. Churches, you, churches should grow in love. Please do. Absolutely. Please let us be known for our love. Absolutely. But churches better be growing in knowledge and in discernment as well. Why discernment? Why knowledge? Because there's wolves out there. Because if you don't understand how this thing works, there are people outside of the church who would love nothing more than to disrupt and destroy what God is doing. So you got to be smart, wise as serpents, gentle as doves. He says, I pray that your, love may that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, and that you may approve the things that are excellent. Please, church, approve the things that are excellent. Back the things that are excellent. Okay? Highlight the things that are excellent. And Paul would even, he's going to wrap up this letter with this term excellent as something that we ought to be focusing on and meditating on. So we'll define that a little bit later. But approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That means, basically, I've heard it described like this. 
If Jesus shows up, you don't want to be embarrassed by him showing up, okay? All right? You don't want him walking in on you doing something maybe you shouldn't be doing, okay? Without an offense. Like, just living dedicated to Jesus. Meaning, he can show up whenever he wants. He can show up whenever he wants. And what, what would he find you doing? Kind of a thing. So that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. The fruits of righteousness are, they are by Jesus Christ. So don't stress and strain on trying to be, and trying to produce fruit within your life. Listen, it's the, it's the Lord who produces. You're, you're the branch. He's the vine. Okay? The power, the Holy Spirit flows from him through you, produces fruit. You just got to be connected to him. Okay? You can be stressing out trying to create stuff. Don't do that. Just be connected to the vine. John chapter 15. Be connected to the vine. Let the Spirit produce the fruit in your lives, which are by Jesus to the glory and praise of God. And that's how you know you're being fruitful, because all the praise and glory should go to God, and you should not be able to take any credit for it at all, okay? Because you can't take any credit for it. Any fruitfulness, any fruits of righteousness that get produced in your life you immediately need to direct all praise to Jesus because they would not happen without him. So you can't take credit, nor should you ever take credit. All praise and glory goes to him. So as Paul's saying, listen, you guys are on my mind, you're on my heart, and he's praying for them to, to grow, to continue to grow. And, and that would be the third thing for us as well is, listen, you need to have individuals on your mind that you're praying for, you need, you know, and, and that, you know, them, you to have this affection in Christ for them, that they're on your heart as well. But then that also, you're growing, but your desire for them is that they are growing as well. Maybe they don't have a relationship with the Lord, so you're praying for an opportunity either for you or for somebody to share the gospel for them, like in Lydia's case, and the Lord to open up their heart to receive the gospel. But you want to be able to come alongside them because if they're on your mind and in your heart, that means hopefully you have a relationship with them. You're going to come alongside them and help them to grow. Discipleship. Grow. Grow in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord, but grow in love and discernment and all that good stuff and so that they're producing fruit within their lives and that they're praising Jesus and giving all glory to him because of what he's doing in and through them. And this is just how Paul starts the letter. Like, he hasn't even gotten into the body of the letter. This is all just like, hey, what's up, guys? It's Paul and Timothy. Um, by the way, let me just tell you how thankful I am for you. And it's already just rich with just love. And it's a beautiful letter. It is one of my absolute favorite letters in all of the Bible. So we're going to stop there. And I encourage you guys, take your Bibles, find that little blank page here, wherever it is, and what, you know, start writing, start filling up those pages. Start filling them up so much that you have to go and buy a new Bible. I know some of you are really attached to the one that you've had for 40 years. Hey, that's cool. I'm surprised that that thing's still holding together because I got one down here, my, my backup NI, or New Living Translation. That dude's falling apart. Every Bible you have, it, mean, it should be worn out, falling apart. Start writing names in that thing, people that you're praying for, people that you're praying for, because they're on your mind, they're in your heart, and man, you want to see them grow in, a, in their relationship with Jesus. Here's the cool thing about that. As you're doing that, you're growing in your relationship with Jesus. You're focused on Jesus, you're focused on others, and you benefit 
from those two th outlooks, you grow as well. See how, see how cool that works out? Focus on the Lord, take care of others. You will grow. You will grow. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Philippians, a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. This letter was meant to encourage the church in Philippi. Paul expressed great appreciation for this group of believers, and he made sure to mention that they were very generous in supporting his ministry. This is how we feel here at Bread for the Broken, too. We're so grateful for your listening support, as well as any financial support you feel led to give. We ask that you pray for this ministry and also pray about supporting us in ways that are necessary to keep these teachings airing to people near and far. If you're interested in being a part of this support, go to breadforthebroken.com and click on the About tab. You'll find a link there to donate. Thank you for your prayerful consideration of giving to us here. If you missed any of this teaching or would like to hear more from Pastor James in the book of Philippians, visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Look under the Listen tab. We'd also love to meet you too, so if you're in the area, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday for worship and Bible study. Find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for joining us today as a part of our listening audience. Through this ministry, the gospel is going forth and lives are being changed. Tune in next time for more from the Book of Philippians, right here on Bread for the Broken.